Hello and welcome to Freedom Through Truth, a broadcast outreach of Ministries of Wayne Weaver, bringing the freedom of God through the truth of God's Word. Let's tune in to today's message. And he looked across there, every path that Jesus will ever affect and, and, and walk in while he was alive, they could pretty much see from that high mountain. And he looked around, he looked, looked to Syria and looked over into the way distance into Egypt. You could see perhaps on a clear day, I believe spiritually perhaps he saw all that. And maybe he saw around the whole globe and he saw the sea of, actually Mount Hermon is right over here. This is actually a picture of a little bit to the left of right here is Mount Hermon. And so he, and this is the Sea of Galilee. So he looked that whole area where he did all those miracles to be not yet done. And Satan offered him, if you bow down to me, I'll give you all this. Well, it's interesting to know something that in the very beginning, it was, I believe I spoke about this last Sunday that, that man, Adam and Eve were given dominion over the fall of this, uh, fall of the air, anything in the air. They were given dominion, but now they've lost it because of the fall. And now Satan is saying, I will give it to you because obviously he knew he had it. Satan knew that he had that dominion now. And then he said to Jesus, Jesus, if you will fall down and worship me, I will give you everything that you see around me. And this is where Jesus said, and now he goes back. Let me see verse 10. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him alone shalt thou worship. Well, where do you read this? In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him. It was simply just an old command that was kind of relatively written in the Bible, perhaps. Same as it was written about David while he was penning down something there in Engedi. Same as what was quoted about Israel concerning bread. Perhaps not a very important verse. Now, I'm not saying that. I believe they're all important. But the way that nominal Christianity will look at these verses, not just these, but I just picked three of them out that were really kind of ignored by a lot of people. And perhaps some of you sitting here have never even seen those verses. And they were the number one defense that Jesus turned to in his most crucial moment up to that time. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Jesus knew the word. Somehow he knew this word. He must have studied the word. He must have had the word. And at the moment where it seems that you could say anything else but turn to a couple little verses that really bear no real importance to my life at this moment because I live in the New Testament. Jesus being the creator of bringing us into the new covenant turns to these massive verses that are so forgotten. And he uses it as his number one defense. And as I look at the success of Christ not yielding to the temptation that Satan gave, I have to conclude he used the perfect verses at that moment. In complete defense for the entrance of the new covenant that was now on the verge of being broken 
by Satan yielding to a temptation or not. By Satan or by Jesus yielding to a temptation from Satan or not. By him doing something that he could easily do, and that is to make bread out of a stone. He could easily do that, but the wrong commander was giving the orders. And there's a difference. Now I want to turn to the main part of the message. I use that somewhat of an I use that somewhat of an introduction to what I want to speak about concerning Adam and Eve. I want to talk about the fall of Adam and Eve and what I believe. And I put much prayer and I put much thought in this message. Some of the quotes that you're going to hear me say are not quotes that I didn't think deep into before I decided that I can use them. As I was praying and in prayer, the Lord showed me some things and many times he does that. I come to the end where I don't know which way to turn on a message. And then I go, I have to find it on my knees again. And then he'll show me things. And the thoughts that I'm going to share, some of them sound like, oh my, I'm not sure about that. You're saying it too quickly. No, no. This has been pre-thought. It's been prayed over. And I believe God showed me it's the way it is. But it's probably things that you've never heard. You see, church... Sometimes you might wonder, why do I speak so much on the deeper things of God? I get to preach salvation messages Sunday after Sunday, but you're not there. You're deeper. God wants to take you deeper into his kingdom. He wants to take you in so deep that you cannot reach the ground anymore with your feet. Not just up to the angle, not to the knees not to your ways, but he wants to take you in that you're suspended in the water of his word by faith. And I believe this is the need of the hour to take people deeper into his kingdom. And this, I believe, is clear why God is giving me messages of, of depth to you people because he wants to take you deeper. You say like this, well, when, right when I got born again, wasn't that good enough? Look at the little baby that's sitting on your lap. Is that good enough? Or if they don't come to be my age, is that not God's intention? Do we say to a little baby that doesn't grow, there's something wrong? Do we say to a little baby that when they stay in the crib and drink milk all their life, that there's an issue? We don't even question that. I believe many times we go to our, our doctors and we ask the doctors to fix things in these little babies when things are wrong. But we often don't see that in our own life, perhaps as little babies. We don't go to the doctor, but we see there's something wrong. I see there's something wrong in my life, but I'm not turning to the doctor to fix it. I'm learning to be content to lay in the crib. I'm learning to be content to just drink milk all my life. That's not the church that God wants. It's not the church that he speaks to in the book of Revelation. And so I believe God has his intention to take you deeper. And I will say this also that Many of you are going deeper with God. Many of you are walking in a place you've never walked before. And I believe it's in preparation to what's coming. 
God will have his church and he will have his glory and he will have his maturity in the church and he will wean you from milk and he will give you meat and meat is really what makes you grow. That milk that sustained you so strongly and made those little fat cheeks on that little healthy baby was so good for it, but it can never bring you to the age of 57. It wouldn't work. And so milk is something that God gives, but it is designed to be graduated from. So we go deeper and eat of his meat so that we experience, like Sister Anne said, in fact, she didn't say it. She texted it to me that I'm experiencing some things in faith. And I wish I could quote that text correctly. I'm seeing something happen that never happened before. I'm seeing all at once that God is doing the work if I take my fingers off. I'm seeing the power of God doing the work rather than me putting the sweat into it. But me just believing and walking in that confidence that he is the one that will do all things. You see, until you discover the greatest thing about yourself, you will never be able to do much in your Christian life. Want me to repeat that again? I want you to hear this. Unless you discover the greatest thing in your life that you can ever have, unless you discover what that greatest thing is in your life, you will never go far in your Christian life. Do you know what that greatest thing is? It's your weakness. The church in the world, the church around the world, and the carnal man, often, he tries to take his strength to take him deeper with God. Paul said it doesn't work that way. When I'm weak, I'm strong. If you can discover that the greatest thing that you have going for your life is your weakness, only then will you rely on the strength of God and only then can God walk in you. You see, God walks in your weakness. Your pride walks in your strength. And I will show you numerous places today in the Bible where this is repeated, where you can see it's the Scripture. Paul learned it when he said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak, then he is strong. But when I'm strong, he can't help me. And I believe that for the end time church and the revival that is taking place and will take place, people need to learn to walk in their weakness. People need to learn to walk in the weakness that they have and let God overtake that so that they could have strength in the power of God. And then when you have that, you will stand back and you say, it wasn't me. Until you can say it wasn't me, it was you. And to bring you to that point of where you cannot say it wasn't me, or it was me, to bring you to that point takes you to a complete place of dependence. 
a complete place of dependence on faith. For I can do nothing except Christ that works in me. I don't want to get ahead of the message, but I want to continue. You see, you shall only look for strength in the Lord. 1 Samuel 15, 29. The strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. All the strength of Israel was not in them getting their heads together. All the strength in Israel was not to have the military trained completely correct. All the strength because at times God used, as God worked through Israel by faith, the people destroyed themselves. The army destroyed themselves. Some places the water came from the heavens. On a clear day, God would open the heavens and pour out rain and rain and rain and rain and thunder and lightning until the, the Hazarites or the Philistines were completely dissolved and they never got to fight. Matthew chapter 8, 29, And behold, they cried out, saying, what have we to do with this, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither, hither to torment us before time? Satan at one place, and I always, I don't like to use his name. Today I have to more than the typical message I would use. I like to call him just the enemy or the tempter. Because I do believe that he delights if we use his name. Jesus does if we use his. We use the name of Jesus, something happens. So I like to call him the enemy. But when we look at this, it was earlier that the tempter came to Jesus and he said, if thou be the son of God. Now here we see in Matthew chapter 8, he turns around those same spirits, turns around and confess that he is the son of God. Something happened. Thank you for listening to today's program. We hope you were blessed. This program is made possible by the generous donations of our listeners. Check out our website and get our weekly word e-letter by signing up at www.ministriesofwayneweaver.com. Until next time, God bless.